Yeah, now welcome to the Social Life Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peterson. I'm excited today to let you know we've got a new format of the podcast, uh, not to replace the old one of more interview style, but we have so many great stories now that I'm able to compile uh, stories from multiple people into one podcast here. This is the first one, Molokai 2 Wahoo Stories. Pretty stoked. Going to start rolling these out and sprinkling them in with the, uh, the traditional interview style ones that um, we've been doing. So for this first one, I put together a set of stories and perspectives on the world's gnarliest paddleboard race, Molokai 2 Wahoo. Six of my past guests and current legends in the water, Lincoln Dews, Mick DeBetta, Morgan Hostry, Nick Franco, Leon Horton, and Jeff Denholm, all share their past experiences paddling in the Kaibi Channel, including tales of sinking boats, injuries, super heavy conditions, paddling in the first ever M2O event, competing as both SUP and prone, a participant, logistical horror stories, and much, much more. So if you enjoyed this story compilation, I'd be stoked if you gave a nice rating of this ocean life in your podcast app, or even better, stop using plastics whenever possible. And let's keep them out of the environment and out of the stomachs of our favorite ocean critters. Thanks for that. Now, to start us off, we've got some stories from Mick DeBetta. Now, Mick probably doesn't need any introduction, as he is one of the legends of Molokai to Oahu, been paddling it forever. But we hear some great perspectives from Mick on paddling his first ever event, super heavy conditions, and all kinds of other stories. I'm not even going to list them all because you're going to hear them in about 10 seconds. Uh, but a lot of great stuff here from Mick, a true legend of the water. So sit back and let's get into it. Let's go back to 1997, man, because one of the themes I've had on the show, and also I'll just go back to like my own prone paddling kind of roots of, you know, Molokai to Wahoo, legendary paddleboard race. It's the, you know, unofficial world championships. And you were not only at the inaugural event, and I believe, but you also won it, right, on the prone board. Yeah, that's that's correct. And, you know, I look back on that day as being very, very uh, fortunate to actually be invited and to be there. And uh, Yeah, it's a very, uh, very special day for me. Yeah, man. So take us back then, if you would, because what I'm guessing, not having been there in 97, like, I'm just guessing it was a lot more raw and more challenging even than today in terms of logistics and boats and all that stuff. So take us back to 97. How did you get the invite? What were you up to at the time? And take us through that, you know, that first race. Yeah, well, it, it, it is a, a really um, great story, actually. I was going to Hawaii for a few years with the uh, lifeguard competition, and I, that's when I really fell in love with downwind paddling, and the Hawaiians on, on the North Shore took me in. And um, one of my great friends, one of the greatest uh, Hawaiian paddlers, Dawson Jones, said, oh, Mick, you come back next year. He goes, I'll get my dad's boat and we'll go out to this island, Molokai, and we'll paddle back. It's about 32 miles and it's really rough and it's unreal. Wow. Sounds awesome. And um, so I went home, as I did uh, for a few years previous to that, and about, uh, I think it was like around Christmas time, he called me. He said, oh, Quicksilver and Mike Takahashi and Garrett McNamara are going to make it a race. Huh. And it's going to be end of July, so you're going to have to come you know, then I went, oh, okay. And I just went to town trying to work out how to train for this race, you know. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah get as much information from my friends that I'd gathered over the five years that I've been going there. And um, yeah, we went there, and sure enough, it was 30 of us 
and the ocean boats or actually my boat didn't make it over from Oahu because the seas were so <laughs> oh, oh man yeah it was just an epic um an epic adventure and you know we didn't have water bottles on our boards we didn't have <laughs> you know my, I didn't have anything actually I actually I, a few of the southern californian guys Tim Ritter and a few of those guys took a collection and they all handed me off different gels and stuff like that so had all the stuff taped on the board it was like a candy bar shop and yeah, yeah went across it was it was it was uh i think they was like calling it 15 foot seas oh wow it was a pretty epic epic uh day on the ocean that's for sure yeah so what'd you do so your boat and you know folks listen who you know everybody's either seen it or heard that's how incredibly insane that water can be and for for a local boat to not be able to make it across from Oahu saying something, right? That the seas were, <laughs> it was pretty turned up. And so your boat didn't make it over. So did you double up with somebody else? Did you find one on, on the island of, on Molokai? Yeah. So what happened was, um, cause, uh, Mike, Mike Takahashi, he actually allowed, we had a friend there and he went on the, um, media boat and he said, you know, well go do the best you can. If you can keep up, you know, we'll, you know, we'll throw you water and stuff from that. So uh, one of the fellas from the surf club here, an elder gentleman, came with us. And, yeah, he was on the media boat. So I basically followed the media boat. And I had Dawson on my left and uh, Buzzy Kerbox on my right. And I thought, well, oh. I would just to what that pace they were doing and basically keep an eye on them guys to see which way to go. And as it turned out, it was me and Dawson to the end. And, yeah, it was pretty – like I still think about it today when we, you know, my wife was jumping in last last year in the channel, and you know it's like a missed two strokes for a change of the border bottle, but yeah. we were like sitting up and like trying to gather the board bottle into the board, and you know I remember clearly one time I got back on my board and started paddling, and they're all waving at me, and I'm going oh I must be going alright, and they just kept waving at me, waving at me, and I'm going. I ended up, I was actually paddling the wrong way. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so did you guys battle all the way to the finish line? For the, for we the... battled all the way to the finish line. There's, uh, wow. I still have a couple of photos that were taken, I think, from like the Dawson's boat or someone's boat. And, yeah, we were like pretty much 100, 100 yards apart and heading towards the walls at, um, yeah. at um, off there. So it was a it was a pretty and, – and a lot of the battles over the 20, you know, the winners, the first and second, have always – you'll notice there's about a two-minute gap. Yeah. You know, Amy won his 10, and, yeah, it's funny. It's, and I think ours was around two minutes as well. So it's, it's, it's a funny, funny old channel of water, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, man. It changes, you know, hour by hour. You know that, and you've year yeah. by year. So do you remember what your time was for that one? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is, and, you know, you know obviously we're – Paddling, I probably reckon I could paddle faster now, yeah. but it was five twenty one. Dang, that's and, still really fast. Yeah, like I, you know, if someone said to me I'm going to do five twenty one this year, I'd be stoked. And um, yeah, you can never pick it. Yeah, I think uh, the water, the channel, and the currents and stuff like that is the last word for sure. Yeah. So, so what? I, so you were, if we rewind this, you were already planned to go do that with you, with your buddy on on Oahu, you guys were just going to grab a boat he knew and go do it together just as a fun, gnarly thing to do. The race popped up and so you ended up doing it for the race. But 
you hadn't paddled that water before and you were relatively new, you said, to kind of downwind. I mean, last few years you spent there. So what was your kind of, I don't know, if you remember back, your impression of the Molokai Channel, that water, that first time you paddled it, what was it, was it, what was it like for you? Yeah, well, it's, it's really scarred in my memory. And I think there's a couple of, I still remember a couple of quotes that I made and, and I sort of basically that day devoted my sort of, uh, paddling to the channel huh. and I said you know I was gonna at that time I was coaching a lot of the best Ironman and paddlers in Australia and um, I said oh, I'm gonna bring them you know all these kids over you know and I brought this guy over Jamie Mitchell he won it a few times and <laughs> I brought plenty of guys and girls over from that day and it was just etched in my memory and and so I guess why I still keep turning up is the people that I coach but also just to be there on that day when it when the ocean comes alive like it did in 1997 it's just something special for you. I mean, how did you find it like as somebody who was, you know, probably top of your game at the, you know, even to be able to consider to do that race, you're, you know, in good shape, you're paddling a bunch, but the water itself, I mean, was it, were you the downwind aspect, the kind of cross chop, then the China wall reverberation, you know, was it, but you had ever paddled water like that before that first first race? Oh, I don't think I've ever paddled water like that since. <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was big. Like I remember clearly some things, you know, that, that like the boat was um at one stage was behind me towards the end there and I was quite tired and delirious and stuff and I was getting annoyed with the boat being behind me and I just thought heard this like a wave, you know, like a, I thought it was the bow of the um the boat pushing the water. Yeah. And it the boat was white and I looked around and it wasn't the boat, it was white water. Oh jeez. like eight feet of white water just coming <laughs> just hug my board and rolled around and man this is like you know 10 miles out into the channel and oh, yeah yeah it was really it's never been like that in since i've done it and i know a lot of the outriggers and surf ski guys have never seen it like that again but wow you know it'll obviously come around again one day yeah well that's pretty amazing though that that the first event, the first time you, you did it, which is, and you've done a ton of times since, like it was, as you say, one of probably the gnarliest it's been. And yeah, it'll get back to being gnarly again, but that's an interesting way for you to cut your teeth on that channel. You know, I mean, I remember did it and it was, you and I crossed paths, uh, on Molokai in, I think it was 2011 at Pete Sterling's house, uh, before yep. the event. And, uh, and that was, a, I think a good course that year, but for somebody who hadn't done it, me, I was like, whoa, this is so hectic and gnarly. Just listening to what you're saying about like eight foot white water and you hear those stories, like that's a pretty, pretty intense way to cut your teeth on, on Molokai Channel. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's why it's such a special race, you know, and it has been opened up from like 30 paddlers to like 200 these days. And yep. yeah, some, you know, it's, it's, it's a lifetime experience. I know a lot of people that, um, email me and stuff about training programs and ask me what to you know how to train for it and but oh, i live in the flat water and all that sort of stuff well we we pretty much do as well but yeah it's just you got to get your head around 32 miles and and then you know the equivalent of 40 miles really paddling yeah. that yeah yeah indeed man so you mentioned you had a you... all right there some good stuff from mick now we're going to transition over to Nick with the N, <laughs> dumb, dumb joke, sorry, uh, who happens to be a real good friend of mine. We actually, at the time of this recording, just finished the 24-hour paddle to raise money for cancer just a couple of days ago. 
Now Nick Franco gets us into his days uh, of competing in Molokai to Oahu. On his own boards, he shaped the Shearwater paddle boards that you hear as a sponsor of the show. Uh, he's got some gnarly stories, very different. His boat had some problems as he headed over to Molokai on his first year ever there. Uh, some rad stories uh, of trials and tribulations in the channel, competing strongly, and uh, just having a lot of fun. So now, let's hear from our man, Nick Franco. And seeing that you could do these huge crossings, then it started to be like, well, what other crossings are there? And yeah. then that, I mean, I'd read about the, you know, the Molokai race since its inception. And the funny thing was, is that I had actually been on like a family vacation to Molokai. Oh, wow. In like, I don't, can't even, I think it was like 99 or something. So still, the, the race was still pretty early yeah, on. Yeah. And I remember being at Kaluakoi and just looking around and there was all oh, these wow. paddlers there. And I, I remember like a few different guys came up to me and were like, oh, are you doing the paddle tomorrow? And I was like, what? Crazy. What paddle? I don't even know what you're talking about. But then I realized what was happening and I kind of knew I want to do that someday. Yeah, yeah. And then once I got into it and realized, because I'd kind of forgotten about it, and then I yeah. realized what it was and came back to it, and then I was like, okay, yeah. this is like the ultimate. Like, now, your first year of Molokai, was that 2011? I think so. so I don't know. I think so. so. I think, I think so, it was because I remember seeing you, because that's the year I did it. And yeah. I remember seeing you on Oahu. Yeah. And we bumped into each other in Waikiki. Yeah. And we're like, hey, what's up? Hey, I'll yeah. see you on Molokai. Right. And I remember I took, like you, took my escort boat across with my board. <laughs> yeah. But I did, I did it two days in advance. Right. And, you know, just because I wanted to see the water. We did it. Right. It's gorgeous. And it's gnarly. And you're glad to get there and get off the boat. And then I remember, I remember expecting to see you the next day, yep. the day before the race. And I didn't. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe you're staying somewhere else. And then that night at the dinner, I was looking for you and didn't see you. Yeah. And until the next morning... About 30 minutes before the start, <laughs> I remember seeing you coming out of the bushes like a homeless dude <laughs> with your amazing wife, Sarah. How did you tell us that story I, of why you yeah. ended up in the bushes sleeping on the Kulakoi beach before the race of your first Molokai? So I never actually even made it to the bushes or the beach. <laughs> um, yeah, the whole thing. So Molokai is a logistical nightmare in one sense. Like... If you can make it to the starting line of that race, yeah, you've won in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everybody, every paddler who's ever done it has some story. And there's varying degrees of what happened, but you know, everybody has their story. But yeah, basically, I had no idea the first time, and uh, I had just met my now wife, who like maybe. Four months earlier, five oh, months wow, earlier. that early. Oh, man. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you want to go to Hawaii with me? I'm going to go do this race. It'd be pretty fun. Like, And she was like, yeah, it'd be great. And I was like, Gee, I kind of need somebody to come with me on an escort boat. Do you want to come? She's like, oh, that'd be great. Huh. So we like, you know, you go through the process. You hire your escort boat because every paddler needs one. And um, we... Everything seemed good and 
turns out you took the boat across yeah to so Molokai. what we know now is that you you fly across yeah and you meet your boat over there just because yeah. the amount of like just the the physical taxation of taking the boat across the day before for like four or five hours just wrecks you for the next day so if, but we didn't know that so we took we met up with our boat captain a couple days prior and we're like oh what time are we leaving he said oh you know i think we'll leave sometime in the afternoon on saturday races right, on race sunday sunday morning yeah and we, we not knowing any better we're like okay we'll meet you at such and such harbor on sand island and whatever we'll go from there um find out that everybody else is, that's taking their boats across is leaving at like yeah. four in the morning <laughs> yeah. you know and i'm like oh that's cool i don't have to wake up so early so what i didn't realize was that everybody leaves super early to try and because it's get across before the wind gnarly. kicks up super yeah. gnarly because yeah. you're basically slamming into a headwind yeah. the whole yeah. way they pause there for a moment so for folks who don't know molokai to wahoo it's the kaibi channel which is called the channel of bones because it's crossed up wind swell current it's really gnarly and it's like eight to ten foot seas and i think like 15 to 25 knot winds like almost every day and <laughs> it's if anybody who takes their boat across from oahu to molokai is insane people fly because <laughs> it just beats you to death and but you don't know that the first time you just figure it out so yeah so you're, you're in the channel now yeah so we went across. half we went late in the day and the wind was already blowing and we were, we left from sand island which is pretty far away from most people launch in Hawaii, which is like more oh, yeah. of a straight shot where we left adds an extra 10 miles more south shore yeah like uh, more towards um like in 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 honolulu yeah so oh that way okay so we added an extra 10 miles and then added the channel crossing so we get across it's about halfway and it's been a really gnarly ride and uh we have like our stash of water bottles for hydration for the next day <laughs> and you know a little bit of food for just the crossing but you know we're gonna eat there's a dinner provided mm -hmm. over on the island on molokai well we are uh we're about halfway over and all of a sudden we kind of noticed the boats really struggling and lifting listing to one side and it's a small boat it's probably like 20 feet maybe less it's small yeah little catamaran uh like power cat and uh we realized we're the captain's just like all of a sudden he's like okay we're taking on water and we're like in the middle of the channel and i'm with <laughs> my new nowhere. girlfriend and him and his stepson or something and uh he's like listen we need to we need to start pumping the water out so he's got a manual bilge and so he tells his his, his deckhand to start using the manual bilge well as he's doing that we hit some seas and he loses the bilge over the side no yeah and we just watch it float away gone <laughs> oh so the next plan of action is to take our water jugs like we have those like one gallon jugs yeah and dump them cut them open and use them as balers so wow. me and my wife are like bailing meanwhile captain's trying to figure out what's going on and uh then it basically progresses or just 
into a really bad situation where we lose an engine and we're taking on water and a mayday call goes out to the coast guard oh man and the best part about it is that my family is my like mom and dad and sister and brother are all on oahu and they're all sitting (laughs) staying at a hotel and they're sitting at the pool at the hotel and they see coast guard chopper go ripping overhead oh and then they go oh man i hope that's not nick and sarah jokingly while they (laughs) drink their mai tai (laughs) anyway it it turns out it was for us um and man i gotta say the coast guard was so rad they came hovered like 10 feet above us dropped a rescue swimmer onto our boat yeah with an emergency bilge pump they wow bailed us out the swimmer I wish I could remember his name, but such a cool guy, stuck with us the whole time and got us in good shape. Coast Guard and Maui Fire Department ended up coming out and escorting us the last like really 10 miles into Molokai. Whoa. They made that crossing just yeah. to get, make sure you got there. Yeah. And then the helicopter came and picked up the rescue swimmer. But man, like so cool. Got us there. We were so just what time did you get in it was late oh we got in we left around i think we left around one in the afternoon we got into molokai at twelve thirty. Oh man so it was a long day on the water about seven hours before start time of- yeah and there was like multiple times during in the middle of the channel where i was like okay we have a paddleboard and i was like talk sarah and i were like talking this over with. yeah we have a paddleboard we had brought a surfboard because we knew she was going to have to paddle in. Yeah. You know? And so we're like, uh, worst comes to worst, the boat sinks. Like, we can paddle. Like, I know we can paddle yeah. to wherever we, we need to go. We will paddle and make We'll this. be fine. Yeah. Like, we'll, yeah. but just like going through that with like a new yeah. girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, wow. I'm, amazed. I'm amazed she didn't leave me. So after but, that, did you know, like, I need to marry this girl because no. if she can, if she can <laughs> yeah, stand by me through a sinking boat in the middle of pretty much. the Molokai Channel. <laughs> yeah. And uh, keep her cool the whole time. Yeah. Like, Keep, totally keep her uh, cool. I remember seeing you guys and I was like, what are you doing? Why are you in the bushes? And you told me that story in like yeah. two minutes because the start was about to go down. But so that's the thing. We never even got to the bushes because what happened was we got in to Molokai. It was dark. We had no idea where we were. And so we ended up just sleeping in like on top of the guy's fish bags in the front of his boat. Oh, wow. And the whole basically and the guy told us, well, we my boat's like it's yeah. screwed we can't you can't use it so you can't race right and i'm thinking oh man i just put this whole year of training in and yeah. like this whole deal and first one and i don't even get to do it and whatever sarah and i share a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner and then Whoa. the next morning somehow he had figured out a way to like get one engine working and so basically up until yeah like a half an hour before yeah, he was sure. like, you can't paddle, you can't paddle, you can't paddle. And then half an hour before he goes, okay, go, go to the beach, go to the start. We're going to just, we're going to try. And if we, if we can do it, then great. But if the boat craps out, we'll have to pull you. Yeah. You're like, and oh, I was, yeah. All of a sudden I was just like, oh, okay. So I just got everything together and jammed to the beach. And that's where I saw yeah. you. And wow. then like literally jammed to the start line and did it crazy <laughs> but that of all right that was nick franco there now we're moving into leanne horton uh an incredibly strong woman of the water uh living on the north shore splitting time between there and 
believe it's Polynesia or Tahiti actually where her sailboat is, uh, kind of my dream lifestyle. But Leanna goes into some great stuff around uh, how she found prone paddling and started getting into some training runs with some of the legends in the North Shore, introducing her uh, with the Dennis Pang, you know, sort of non-knee whale board, and then takes us through some really cool perspective on her first encounters in the channel and what it was like, you know, physically, uh, mentally, uh, and kind of, you know, emotionally <laughs> as that race goes. So some good stuff here from Leanne. Uh, let's check it out. Um, gosh, I think that was 2009. And, um, and then I, I started training with this group on, um, Tuesdays and Thursdays in, in Wailupe and Honolulu. And it was, um, we still call him coach, but Mike Cote, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Has, yeah, yeah, total legend. And, um, was so honored to be able to go and train with those guys. It was such a fun crew. Um, you know, his son's done it so many times, gosh, Mitch, Austin, Pat, um, County Downing comes sometimes. Um, gosh, obviously Morgan, a few of the girls. So many people have, have come and trained with him. Oh, so cool. getting involved with that crew got me serious pretty quickly. And, um, and then, of course, there was Morgan who was like, hey, you guys should do Molokai. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Morgan's fault. <laughs> oh, man. Once, once again. <laughs> Once again, yeah. So my first Molokai race was 2011. Um, I did it as a relay with uh, Josh Guerra. He was a city and county lifeguard here on Oahu for 17 years and actually just passed away from a, a tragic surfing accident. Um, oh. But he and I trained together for that year. We swam together in the pool. We were really serious about going on paddles together and um, and we did it. We did it on a prone board, an old Dennis thing that didn't have any knee wells. So we belly paddled the whole time. Oh man. Um, and it was just, yeah, yeah, it was, we didn't really know quite what we were getting into, but, um, it was, uh, probably the most fun year of Molokai, I think that I've done. <laughs> and did you then, um, then did you do solo runs after that or did you continue to do some, some, um, some, uh, relays? After that, um, I was hooked. I, I don't know. It was like I was bit by the uh, yeah. the channel, the Kaivi channel, and and all of that history that comes along with it. Um, it's hard to just do it once, um, but yeah. it's also hard to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So I did it three times solo after that year, and then my final year, my fifth year, I did it as a relay again. Yeah, right on. So how was your first uh, solo year? How'd that go? It was, uh, it, it went, you, you know, it, it went well. It was a little bit of the same as before. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Yeah. Um, you know, I borrowed a, an, an unlimited board, and um, it was it was great, and... I trained as best I could and, and I got set up with a boat captain and I had my crew come over with me and um, I, I finished that year was, you know, doing it your first year is really special because you have no expectations. You don't <laughs> yeah, know what true. to expect. <laughs> Very true. And yeah. So, and that, those are the times, especially in the Kaivi channel um, that you really have to, come up against um, some of your biggest fears and your biggest obstacles in the channel, you know, no mm -hmm. matter how hard you've prepared and no matter how many people you've talked to about what the conditions are doing and what line you should do, 
it all kind of goes out the window as you're there yeah. in the channel and um you know you have your boat crew and everyone there with you and they're cheering and it's usually awesome depending on who your crew is but it comes down to just you and the ocean and and even if you're competing with other athletes at that time um you know whatever your goal is it doesn't matter it, you find yourself alone in the middle of the channel <laughs> <laughs> and you have to pull through it so that first year was was a little bit about that it was um it wasn't competitive for me. It was just an accomplishment. Right. And, um, and it was so cool coming into China Walls and paddling that last oh, yeah. mile, the brutal mile oh, to yeah. the finish line where somehow it's always upwind. <laughs> no kidding. And then paddling through the two buoys there. And um, actually, Morgan was the first person I saw. And I just remember um, – hugging her and and crying i was just so yeah, happy I yeah. was so happy it was over <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true there's a strange and i i relate i did it my first year solo was uh 2011 and the cool. same thing it was just like you know i'm it's personal challenge and then of course you hit that whoa i'm just in my own head and i gotta get through this and you go through all you know that whole sort of mental um challenge and mental game but then you get I, I agree, like almost semi-euphoric when you get to China Wall because yeah. you know you're there. You just did yeah. 31 miles and you got just one more. Like you're just, I remember just having this giant smile on my face. Yeah. And the guy, the you know, the the, the water patrol will come up and they're you know radioing who's coming in so they can announce you. He's like, man, you got. And unfortunately, next to me was this poor uh, SUP guy, and and I felt so bad because he, you know, like <laughs> me, we're at the back of the pack. We're just want to get to land, you know, and he's yeah. on his, almost on his stomach because the wind's howling out of the valley and that poor oh. guy, you know, and I had this huge smile because I'm there and this other poor guy was like, you know, and, and so it was just funny. I just had this giant euphoric sensation because I'm like, I just finished this thing. Thank goodness. But Yeah. Those poor guys get beat down that last mile standing up in the wind. I, I, I think about them every year. I know. I know. So then. After year number one, you did two and three. So did you learn and keep building on e each experience of doing the solo crossing yeah. the next years? Totally. So, yeah. So after year one, I, I was like, well, I did it. You know, I'll give it a week and the pain goes away. And you're like, I can do it again. I can do it better. Um, Jamie Mitchell was just finishing his decade of dominance. So yep. he was really inspirational in the aspect of doing multiple Molokais and improving every time. Yeah. Um, Jordan Mercer had just come onto the scene kind of recently. I don't know what year it was her first year, but she was already just coming out of the gate and dominating. Oh, um, yeah. and then Kanisa Duncan, who is local, she lives on Kauai and she's just kind of the prone paddleboard queen, yeah. um, here in Hawaii. I really looked up to her when I began and, um, and she became my friend and sort of guided me in the board selection process she let me use one of her unlimited boards that joe had shaped her a few mm -hmm. years back oh, you cool. know, she saw my unlimited board and it was ultimately too big and too heavy it was just yeah. it was for a big strong guy and i'm i moved it okay but once i i tried kinesis board i was just like oh joe man i need i need yeah. one of those yeah um, joe bark i'm sure most of your listeners know he's just the most awesome shaper of of things he's, he yep. shapes great surfboards great paddleboards and it's just a, an amazing human so yeah, indeed 
um, after Kanisa let me try her her unlimited board, it was it was like this fourteen foot, um, almost had a stock shape to it in that you know it was rounded hull, not like those big square hulls like yeah. some of the unlimiteds. Yep. yep. Um, and but it had a rudder, you know, and it was it was it was lighter than the seventeen foot that I had paddled. So that was kind of a game changer and. Um, and I went into the second year, I did solo a little bit more competitive. Um, I had to like a target on Jordan Mercer's back. There wasn't that many, there, there's a ton of girls now doing prone and yeah. it's so cool to see how it's progressed. But yep. at that time, yeah, very few. um, there was, yeah, there was very few. And, um, Kanisa and Jordan were my like, okay, I gotta beat them. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Uh, but it became very apparent that um, Jordan is just a whole other level of oh, yeah. athlete Amazing. and so much respect. And since since then, we've become friends and gone on a few of the trips to the ISA yeah, together. Cool. And um, it's it's been really a fun ride. But that second year, that's what I was going for is yep. to try and perform. And um, it was great. All right. So rad stuff from Leanne Horton right there. Now we're going to switch back to actually another personal friend of mine who lives just a few minutes away here in Santa Cruz and again to all kinds of stuff with uh, Mr. Jeff Denhelm. Uh, Jeff is just an insane story in general, uh, which you can check out his podcast to learn about. I mean, how he lost his right arm. He's got a prosthetic limb there in a gnarly accident, but uh, as you'll hear, it didn't slow him down really at all. So Jeff uh, paddled Molokai to Oahu multiple times, tells some pretty cool stories of the people he interacted with. Uh, and a pretty gnarly, heavy-duty story of his prosthetic limb not really working so well and having to kind of one-arm it for a while. So some pretty fun and heavy stories here. Let's check them out. You know, but then you decided to do Molokai to Oahu. What was, what was that about? It just seemed like, well, you know, I did a few more races, the Jays, and I was doing some with you guys were dragging me around, like, you know, Sliber and your whole junior guard program. I was introduced to this sort of that Australian lifestyle of beach competition, which I had never had in New England. We don't have that. And mm. so I I just basically following you guys' leads around California doing the races. And I met and I started this Molokai is a thing, right? So yeah. in the paddling community and having lived in Hawaii and had sailed all through the islands on outrigger with a friend and oh. done that and had done a bunch of free diving you know, obviously anything that involved Hawaiian waters, I was eager to get involved in. And so <laughs> I went to my boss at Patagonia, the head of the surf department, and I just, I knew by telling him that I was committing to the point where I had to do it. Yeah, it's right. Right? So I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm going to do you the Molokai. Yeah. You guys got to, you know, what's, it's going to be a good story. Because like, I'm looking for ways to be credible. I'm like working with Jerry Lopez, the Malloy brothers. Yeah. Like, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to up your game here. I'm yeah. like, well, what the fuck did these guys sign me? I better do something. <laughs> yeah. And like. <laughs> I better do something. <laughs> really, man. And so um, I just called it and went for it. So I had the glue going. The glue's temperamental. And especially in hot, humid weather, it dries too quick. And I put uh, my arm in and it forms bubbles in the arm. And it uh, will partially seal and it can come off. And so on shorter races and in cooler weather and cooler water, it tends yeah. to lock the glue more evenly. It gives me more time to get in. That first Molokai race, I was so stressed out the morning, I didn't get the arm on right. 
you're, so you're just hustling. Hustling, and it was hot and humid and yeah. sticky. And it's a, it's a weird thing getting that all the tissue to lay right and to get the bond 100% so that you can go right. 32 miles. And this year, it was like a gnarly side wind. Yeah. We had an eight foot at 22 south swell. So the refraction Ugh. off the east side of Oahu was yeah. nuts. Brutal. It was a horrible water. So the, welcome to Molokai. I did it with Zach, right? Yep. And Dillery. Yeah. They both yeah. went over with me. Yeah, yeah. And we all committed to it. And these guys are already gnarly. Like Dillery, I don't, you know, like we all know he's fucking like, yeah. you know, he's not the fastest paddler in the world, but he's the gnarliest paddler in the world. <laughs> pretty much, like, yeah. And, uh, but you, so your arm, you had issues with it, like what, halfway across or something where it almost was, it was. Mile uh, 18, the glue failed. And so now it's flapping. It so every stroke, it just twisting the socket and tearing the skin so you're basically one arming it one armed it give or take your left arm the the one right arm, the paddle 10 percent right useless. arm causing more harm than good wow. but i just kept using it because it was hanging there so what it took so, me eight hours and seven minutes so no, eight hours seven minutes so normal not normal people even like me, i did it once and i have both my arms with right? me yes uh yeah that's right that's right um Everybody gets in this, and again, this is like the broken record. People who listen to the podcast, I love you all. You've heard this, and you're going to be like, dude, enough of this. But that distance of a race with all of your physical physical capabilities, you still it still gets in your head because it's so far away. Uh, it's not getting any closer, blah, blah, blah. But here you are with like, uh, I had two things to push with, paddle with. Now I have one. What's happening in your head at that point? And you're only 18 you know, miles. I was you're just like, like I have a tem- I have a temper. Like you know, when I can't get something, I get so frustrated. I was like growling. Yeah. And Tim Davis, the head photographer for the Patagonia, was on the boat with me, and he's one of my favorite people at the company. He's such a fucking good guy. And he was like, at one point, he jumped in the water, and I was I was sunstroked. Yeah. Beat down, my arm was bloodied underneath. I could feel it. I was in pain. Ugh. I was high. I was so exhausted. The refraction was so bad. And he goes, "Brat, just are you okay? You don't look good. You, you know, you just let's just call it. Maybe you want to just call it." I said to him. I looked at him. Apparently, I don't even remember because yeah. I was so seeing red. And I said, "Either I'm going to finish or I'm going to die." Yeah, straight up. So I said to him, "He's like," yeah. and I guess he goes, "Fuck you," and he swam away. Went back to the boat like great, you know, like he was Here we pissed because we're good friends, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I made it, whatever. You know, people have been through a hell of a lot worse in yeah. this world than in their lives. Yeah. And it's just a stupid paddleboard race, but it was a, it, and that gave me the hook, and I just wanted to do better, and I got the glue back, so I went back and did it three more times. Yeah. I ended up my fastest time was sub seven yeah like no big deal but oh, with one arm that. yeah no yep. that was the year i did it too and oh yeah you're you're amazing man. six hours Doing and that. 48 minutes yeah you're smoking yeah so it's uh hard enough to paddle across the channel with two arms and we heard jeff's story of basically just having one there so pretty rad stuff uh now we're uh we're getting into morgan hostry here who's uh just such a fun person to to, to be with to talk with uh, she gives us some great perspective on, you know, basically competing in Molokai to Wahoo on uh, a prone board uh, and the SUP. She's done both. She's strong in, in, in those two things, but also so much more diving, uh, paddling, surfing, you name it. So uh, really cool perspective from another really strong woman in the water. Let's check it out. 
You just came back from Oahu where you competed in, uh, yet again, the Molokai to Oahu World Paddleboard Championships. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I This year I went prone mixed team with Steve Schlen, so it was one of the more fun crossings that I've ever had. Wow, how cool. So and so, so talk about that. What were the, I heard the conditions were a bit more challenging than last year or so, and so how did it go for you guys? Yeah, you know, we, we kind of went in with the mentality that we were, neither one of us wanted to be super serious about it this year, so we decided that going as a team, we knew that going together, we've been, we've been friends for quite a bit quite a while now and so we knew it would be fun so we just decided that we were going to go try to have as much fun as possible and you're right you know conditions this year were were pretty bad I mean you know that I like to call it the pit of despair that that exists (laughs) about five miles away from Oahu oh yeah and every year I mean you just never know what you're going to get in that part of the channel and this year it was like especially um tempestuous if you will it was like the ocean was in such a bad mood and it was um navigating through it was kind of a mental challenge so what was it Um, was the current pulling out and i mean just wasn't really it wasn't taking you where you wanted to go what was it like no i mean the thing is on paper the current looked like it should have been great and we were all preparing for a super fast crossing i mean friends and i were trying to go under six hours and at one point i was doing 15 minute miles and just trying to convince myself that i wasn't the worst paddler in the world i don't know i actually i I listened to nick franco's podcast yesterday and he had this moment where he was talking about how he was like i'm the worst paddler ever and i should just roll (laughs) off my board and drown i I had the exact same thought this year in the channel so it was just funny to that's how it was it was just it was unpleasant it's (laughs) funny that that happens even when you're with a team you know i did it last year with josh ryan uh here in california and same thing. You know, you think that when you're solo going 32 miles, you're going to get in a weird place in your mind because you're just working so hard. But even switching off with other people, you get a break, you jump in, you have a sandwich, you still get in that point, especially as you say in that pit of despair, the last five miles, you're slowing down. You're just like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with me? It's funny how that happens. No, it's horrible. And it's one of those things where it's so horrible, it's awesome, you know, and you kind of look forward to that horribleness. And I know you've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's that mental part. And it's like, you learn so much about just life, putting yourself in, in that pit of despair and making it through. And it's like, whatever demons you have in your head, you'll sort through them. (laughs) And you're right. It doesn't matter if your team solo, whatever, I don't care how you're going in that channel. Like those things will come up and you will have a chance to deal with them. And it's kind of an awesome opportunity. It really is. In a really strange kind of liberating way. It, It very much is. And you've done, You've done Molokai to Oahu. How many times has it been now? Um, well, so this year was my 10th anniversary, which oh, is cool. And then um, I've crossed it. Oh, thank you. I mean, I've crossed the channel 12 times now. I've done it a couple times just for fun. Um, and um, the fun ones have been the best ones, really. I mean, the race sort for me sort of sometimes takes something away from it because mm-hmm. that channel, you've been there. You, you know, it's really... Um, it's such a special place and, and the competition sort of clouds it for me a little bit. But, mm. um, this year, like the times that I've been able to do a team and it's been just for fun, those have been my favorites. Yeah, that's cool. And now over the, the decade of doing it, have you always been prone or do you, have you switched between SUP and prone? I've tried to switch it up. I, I've never done the one that I haven't done is prone solo because it, me being completely honest with you, it's super intimidating. Yeah. Prone is prone is tough. Um, 
you know, stand up is a little bit for me. I I find stand up to be a little bit easier on my body and easier for me to do. Where prone yeah. is, it's just it's 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 really fun. I fi- I find it to be more like body surfing, which I really enjoy. And you you're more connected to the water, and you get to you know put your hands in the water, which is really nice. But prone is a little scary for mm. me. I get that. It so, is scary um, for me too, and I've been doing it forever, yeah. <laughs> especially that race. You know. Yeah, it's just. It's, <laughs> oh yeah, in Molokai, you know, I mean, doing it as a team team with Schlens. I mean, I was getting to a point where we were doing ten minute pieces, and I was kind of starting to be a little nervous for each continuing piece because yeah. I was so tired, and oh, I don't yeah. usually get that with stand up. So yeah. I, my hats off to all you prone guys. Oh geez, no, it's awesome you do that. Well, it's really remarkable that you are strong doing both prone and SCP. And, and I, I'd like to get to that in a, in a minute. But there's a couple, I got two factoids here that Mr. Schlen shared with me uh, as he helped me prepare to chat with you today. I had to give it, I do a little research on Instagram, you know, I'm reading stuff online. I know you personally. And then I reached out to, to Schlen's to get some, some stuff. And there's two neat facts that, that I want to share. First is, Morgan, you're the first female competitor in Molokai to Oahu, correct? Uh, well, in the solo stand-up division. Yeah, that's yes, pretty amazing. That so, true. so what was that like? When when was well, ten years ago, duh. Um, but uh, was it ten years ago when you first did that as the f- solo uh, female SUP? Yeah, you know, it was back in two thousand eight, and prior to that crossing, um, Andre- Andrea Muller and Maria Sousa had mm. been doing it team at least one time. So, people people sometimes think it's a cool thing that I was the first woman to get there, but they were actually there first. And I just feel like with the solo thing, I was like the first one dumb enough to try. (laughs) And um, at the time, back in 2008, there were, there were only like 10 of us going stand up and it was, um, yeah, very few. It was something that I knew very little about. So it was a bunch of guys and then me. Wow. And it sort of all started because some guy told me that I couldn't. And I was like, Oh really? So challenge accepted. No way. Um, I had prior to that point, I had resisted paddling for a really long time and it wasn't something that I was sure that I wanted to get into because I was spending a lot of time surfing and free diving and doing all of these other things. And I wasn't sure if I had time for it. And then some guy we were, I overheard this conversation where they were talking about the Molokai to Oahu race. And so I, I went up to them and was like, wow, that sounds really cool. If I trained for something like that, do you think that I could do that? And he looked at me square in the face and he was like, that's a race for watermen. You could never do that race. And oh, I was like, oh, goodness. I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> and that's kind of how my paddling career, if you will, started. Wow. Wow. So, so um, that yeah. particular crossing has a special place in my heart for sure. Oh, no doubt. And so from that day to the day of the race, how much time did you put in? Or how much time did you have to prepare? Because you weren't paddling. You I mean, stand up paddleboarding wasn't even a really big thing. You said there's about 10 people who are kind of doing it. So how much time did you have uh, bef- when that gauntlet was laid down to the day of the race to prepare yourself? Um, not a lot. So that conversation ha- happened at the end of March. And then the race, Jeez. as you know, is in the, at the end of yeah, July. And months. so I, um, yeah, I asked my friend, my, I, there's this guy in Hawaii. His name is Jeff Chang. He's one of the most understated yeah. and impressive water guys I've ever met. And so I asked him to help me. So we came, both of us came up with super like primitive boards, you know, they're really narrow and just not what they, the boards certainly aren't what they are now. And, um, we just started doing Hawaii Chirons, you know, one after another. And I just tried to 
make sense of bump riding and all of that sort of thing, which I'd be lying to you if I told you I was proficient at it by the yeah. time the race came around. But <laughs> it was one of those things where I was just, just that one person and he's kind of a well-known guy in the community. We won't mention sure. his name, sure. but um, <laughs> just having him say that to me in that way was just like, it was, it was like you said, the gauntlet was thrown down. And I, I was telling people prior to the race, I was like, I don't care if it takes me five days to paddle from Molokai <laughs> to Oahu, but I'm doing it. This so is it's happening. happening. Yeah. That's cool. And so yeah. take us through that. Like you show up on the B, I'm sure the board was out, you know, within the paddle community, uh, that, you know, he, Morgan was going to do this as the first, you know, female SUP. And, uh, but the date, like the vibe on the beach, when you rolled in, you know, as the, the female ready to represent, you know, what was that like? Were people stoked? Was it really kind of inspiring for you? What was the the vibe like when you did that? You know, in all, in all honesty, I tried not to make a big deal about it because yeah. I didn't, just in case, you know, I didn't want to come in being like, I'm doing this for the first time. And really that the first time thing had very little to do with it. It was yeah. more about the personal challenge, yep. but showing up on the beach, I was super intimidated. You know, I'm looking around and I've got Kanisa Duncan sitting right there who she's a personal hero of mine. The same yeah. thing, Chris Owens, who I had known what he had done and mm-hmm. Kevin Horgan, all these guys that I had read and known so much about. And all of a sudden now I'm sitting in, in a group with all of them looking yeah. around being like, Oh my God, I'm a part of this. And that <laughs> was really cool. But, um, I was super nervous, you know, and I, I didn't quite know what to expect. The only thing that I knew that I was blissfully ignorant about what I was just about to get myself into. <laughs> um, the worst part about that whole race, though, was um, my escort boat didn't show up until five minutes before the race, and he had my board on the boat. Oh, my goodness. So five minutes before, I had, like, I had done, you know, admittedly, it wasn't maybe as much training as I should have done, but I had put in all this time, all of this effort, and... I'm sitting on the beach with Mike Takahashi and Carl Kim, one on each side, like rubbing my back, being like, Morgan, I'm so sorry. I, oh. I, I know you want to go, but you can't. And I'm just doing that ugly cry thing where like, yeah. I'm just like, I just want to go and just <laughs> oh. looking for any board that I could find to paddle across. And oh, wow. So, um, yeah, luckily he did actually show up. So that's good. Yeah. Um, but it was intense. It was an intense hour for sure oh man that's like it's funny because when people hear about the race 32 miles between two hawaiian islands who've never done it they go wow that sounds so intense you're like yeah that really is but so is just getting there and like hoping your boat person shows up on time and that you know all the other pieces are almost as intense leading up to you know just getting on your board it's funny um the other factoid about you and molokai tuahu is you're on the record holding um relay team right to date you guys have the record is that right Oh, yeah. You know, the last time I went prone team was Tom Hines and I had done it. And yeah, we uh, we have the record, I guess. I wasn't aware of that until last year where he reminded me and I was like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. What was that time? Do you remember? Uh, I believe it was five... It's either 5:43 or 5:46. Schlenz and I had looked at it this year to see to sort of set a goal for ourselves for yeah. something to get close to, but yep. um, the channel wasn't wasn't going to have that this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It said not this year. <laughs> so, so going back to your um, sort of accomplishments on prone and SUP, it's really interesting because um, usually people kind of do one or the other and they they'll they'll focus on one and then dabble in the other for fun or with friends or just as like work some different muscles or just get a different view of the water but you're really strong in both and so I know you got into it with the challenge that you couldn't do the the crossing you did were you already 
heavy into prone paddling at that time back in 2008. I know you were surfing. Were you already in, in prone at that time? Just a little bit. You know, the first board, that, the first paddle board that I ever purchased was an, a stock surf tech board for 800 bucks, and it was a prone board. It wasn't mm. a stand-up. It was a prone. Um, since that time, I, had, I have a hard time claiming any sort of proficiency at prone paddling because I feel like I, I, all my time spent prone paddling is spent trying to get better because there's always something to learn, which I really enjoy the most about that particular craft, mm. but... I've been telling people lately that my goal in life is to be able to be at a level where I'm proficient enough that I can play with whoever wants to play with me at any yeah. given time. Yeah. So like if somebody's going to go do the channel on a prone board, I'm in shape enough to go. Or if they're going to do something on stand up, I can do that. Or if there's like, all right, there is Morgan Hostry, uh, multidisciplinary woman of the water. Uh, now we're moving into Lincoln Dews, uh, who's known today as a really strong top, you know, SUP competitor on the world stage and crushing it all over the world. But uh, we hear some really neat things of how Lincoln first was introduced to Molokai to Oahu on the pro and paddleboard uh, from his family. His dad and uncle did it. And then he went over and uh, I think did a relay with his father and then came back did it solo when he was like 14 or 15, something insane. And uh, a lot of great perspectives about, uh, you know, from Lincoln about the race uh, since, and then uh, some of the challenges he had in 2018. So let's hear what Lincoln uh, has to say. Yeah, so one of my, one of my earliest mem memories growing up is we used to have a poster, I think it might have been from 1990, maybe the 2000 uh, Molokai to Oahu paddle race. Mm-hmm. Um, back when it was sponsored by Quicks, like it was a Quicksilver edition Molokai to Wahoo paddle race. Yeah. And Dad competed in it that year. It might have been the, the second or the, maybe the third year. Wow. So Dad competed. I remember, I remember so clearly this big poster on the wall, and it was, I guess, it was something that he talked about with one of the font, like one of the best memories of his his paddling career. And then we, I would have been maybe four or five when he did his second Molokai yeah. crossing. And I went over and um, I remember, like, well, there's actually there's photos of me over there. Um, I remember going over and watching it. So it was like, I guess it was something I grew up with. And then, like, one of my cousins, uh, Brendan's a pretty accomplished outrigger paddler, and I think he's done, I think he'd done maybe 20 crossings, 10, oh. 20 crossings on the outrigger. So it wow. was something, I guess, in our family that, it was always I was always in my head going to do. I was yeah. always going to try and imagine myself doing it. Was, right. And then I would have been fourteen, I think. Yeah, I was fourteen after the I just won the state Ironman title, and Dad said to me, "Hey, um, maybe this is a year. Do you want to come and do? Yeah, let's go do the the relay." And I honestly like I've heard stories about the race, but growing up just around it it was so natural right. that I never really put the the um just how big of a challenge it actually was yeah. I never even even doing that that relay race I remember not standing on the start line and not really kind of being able to take it all in and how how big of a challenge and big a feat it was just across the channel and no kidding <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those things that the more I do it like the more races I do the more I realize that oh my god like yeah. What was I? I was crazy back then. Like, yeah. yeah, you didn't know. You know, you didn't know what you yeah. didn't know. <laughs> Especially as a, a four. How old so were you? Were what? 14, 13, I was, 14? 
I was yeah fourteen, just turned fourteen. Yeah. And dad would, would yeah. Yeah. So I I mean I I should have looked. That's an interesting question to see how many other kids that age have done that event. I know there's a couple, maybe 15, 16s that I know, but you may might have been one of the earliest ones, but I can imagine you as a, a Grom just so excited. You're with your dad, you're on, you know, Kulakoi Beach, you're sitting there and looking across like, this is just, a, you know, this is going to be a fun paddle with my dad. You know, it's going to be gnarly. But then once you're out there as a kid, what was it like when you kind of hit that that realization like whoa this is like nothing else i've ever done <laughs> what was that like yeah um that didn't really sit in funny funnily enough until a couple of years later i ah. think when i the year after I actually came back and did my first solo solo crossing wow and i think that was the point that it, it hit that it was like wow like doing this race as a real no matter how how you get across this channel it's a it's a big feat yeah um that first year, I guess I was just eyes wide open, just just paddling away, just um, just like just trying to take it all in. And then, the, yeah, that year after, it kind of I was fifteen, yeah, fifteen, and I did my first my first solo on the prone board, and that was wow. the that was the moment. It was like, wow, this is this is the real deal. This is this is serious out here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing, man. Congrats for doing it as a 15 year old. I mean, it almost killed me. And I would think I was 35 when I first did it. So <laughs> it's good for you now. So, so you started the first couple of years doing it prone and then at some point you switched to SUP. So talk about that. I mean, the difference in the perspective you have of that race and the channel from prone paddling to SUP paddling. How, how do you compare the two? It's tricky. Like they're both chalk and cheese are so different. Yeah. Um, they're so different, but they're so they're so similar. I think like I've get I've always had the mentality that paddling is paddling, no matter what, no mm. matter what you're riding, paddling's paddling. And I think taking that mentality into it was um, was a big help. Um, I've still got a lot to learn on this on the SUP in that channel, mm-hmm. and. It's just it's interesting, like it's kind of cool to have those two different perspectives. I think like I did it a couple of years on the the first did my did one solo on the prone and then I was racing the stand up paddleboard a lot throughout the rest of the year. So it was guess it was only natural that I try and do that race and the stand up as well. So it was definitely like it's definitely a learning curve, but I think like in the end of the day, paddling is paddling, and no matter what yeah. you're paddling across that channel, it's it throws up its own challenges and its own <laughs> own tricks. So yeah, that's a neat perspective. You know, paddling is paddling; it really is. You know, and 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 I, I I admire you for being strong in both. Like you could probably decide the day of the race if you wanted. If you had two boards in front of you, one's a prone board, one's an SUP. You know, you you could probably equally you know be as strong on on either and that's not many people can say that you know um one person I, we just interviewed actually morgan hostry is like that you know a female who's just strong in mm. both and and so uh, you know i admire that you're able to do both um and so this year talk about the the race i've talked to a few folks who've been there and i was reading your blog about you know some of the challenges you had out there i mean it sounded like from the start in terms of you know the logistics part is always so challenging all the way through into the middle of the channel. It sounds like it was, it was a tough one for you. So take us through this year, uh, if you would. Yeah, well, this year is a, this is probably one of my toughest, uh, one of my toughest races. And I think it was definitely the toughest Molokai race I've, 
ever done. Um, right from the start, we like it's always Molokai is always a race that logistics plays a massive role and getting your preparation right. And no matter how good your training is leading into the event, yeah, if every little aspect of your preparation isn't right you could almost throw the race away before it even begins. And that's like, that's something that's really, it's really taken me a lot of time to learn to try and go, all right, my equipment needs to be right. My logistics needs to be right. My training needs to be right. And it's like, I guess it's such, and that's why it's such an addictive race. It's when you get that one, that one crossing that everything comes together, it's a, it's a special day. So I'm yet to have that feeling, but um, (laughs) when I get it, I think it'll be worth it. But this year, um, this year was a was a challenging was a challenging crossing. I actually had a little bit of an issue in my rotator cuff oh. uh, about an hour in. I don't not a hundred percent sure how he did it, but I kind of kind of tweaked, felt like fell a little bit awkwardly down a down a swell, and tweaked it a little bit. And we tried to I tried to paddle through it. And it just kind of got consistently worse until I was getting nerve pains oh. running my, my whole left arm. And it kind of, it was, the pain was all right. The pain was manageable. It was more so the, like my, the motor control of my hand. So wow. it was really limiting me. I could, I could paddle on one side effectively and the other side was pretty, pretty average. So about the halfway mark, about 25 Ks, we pulled the pin just to try and save the rest of the season. Yeah. It's been a pretty big season so far. So it was, um, that's one of the hardest decisions I've had to make is pulling out of that race. Oh, that, I, I that bet. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, like you said, just getting there. And that's one of the things about that race that it's, yeah, there's that physical piece of, of getting yourself across the channel. And then there's that mental piece of, of doing the same, but also the mental piece of, is my board going to be there? Is my board showing up? on Molokai with a ding on it is my tiller messed up. You know, all those little pieces that just kind of eat away at your focus. And then once you're out there, uh, you're, you're, you're running and then to have, you know, like a, a physical challenge, you're just like, and then you're like, I've gone so far, but I got to stop. You know, that must've been a tough decision, yeah. man, but probably the right one to do, you know? Yeah, it was definitely like I was, I'm lucky. I've got a really good support team around me and some guys on the boat were, were really good. I, really really good to try and try and assess what was happening and get me out at the right time yeah um and that's like that's the big challenge of that race is like it's so it's not just not just the padlet like a lot of these races it's you can have, get away with having a very small support team mm-hmm. but a race like molokai so much goes into it from so many different people and it's always hard to feel it if you don't perform your best on the day you're letting a lot of people down mm-hmm. but it's um it's one of those challenges i guess that takes a lot of lot of effort from a lot of people to yeah. to have a good race there. All right. Some good stuff from Lincoln Dews there. Hope you enjoyed this uh, new format, the compilation of stories. It's actually a lot of fun listening to them all put together like this. So, uh, hey, hit me up on email, uh, josh at thisoceanlife.tv, uh, all the other channels as well. Give me some feedback if you would. Much appreciated. All right.